Hey, so we're going to talk about work for a couple of weeks. Next week's going to actually be fun. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Uh, it's, it's all ladies and it's moms. And we're going to talk about working moms. And, and uh, anybody who's a mom works. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. And week three, uh, I'm going to talk about something that's really, really dear to my heart. Uh, something that I want to share with you as it relates to work. But today, I just want to give you um, some principles, some ideas, some things to think about. And I woke up this morning, I thought, you know, I need to count and find out how many jobs I've actually had. And so um, I, I, I just went through a timeline in my life, and, and I've discovered I've had at least 19 jobs uh, in my lifetime. Uh, these are the ones that I got W-2s for. Um, I had other things that I did, but... Um, here's, I just wrote these down. My first job was cutting grass. Obviously, I do that now. Um, second job was washing Volkswagens for a Volkswagen dealer. I worked in an apple orchard. I was a dump truck driver for a guy who, who dug drain fields. I worked for years at Grand Union Grocery Store before they went bankrupt. I had nothing to do with that part, but... I, was, I started as a, as a bag boy and ended up being assistant produce manager. <laughs> and um, then I moved on to Piggly Wiggly grocery store in Florida. Um, that didn't go so well. Uh, okay, keep going. Um, appliance store delivery guy. Uh, you know, if you bought a refrigerator, I would show up with it and try not to drop it off the back of the truck. I worked for Terry Trailers building camping trailers. Um, when I was in college, I worked for UPS on what they called the sort and load. We had to be at work at four in the morning. Now they do this with computers and robots, but we take the stuff off the big trucks and put it on all the little trucks, and hopefully they went to the right place. I worked in a boat factory. That's the only job I've ever been fired from, uh, and it wasn't my fault. Um, this boat factory, we were making boats, and, and we were making actually the, the molds that the boats would be built in, and they were fiberglass, and they, um, we had to sand these things. They could not have a mark on them because it would mess up the, the boats as we made them, and every morning we'd come to work, and something had gotten inside the mold and just scratched the stuff out of it, and you had to sand it by hand, and every day it was like this, and we realized that there was an animal, some kind of wild animal, getting in the, the boat at nighttime and just scraping it all up. So I went over there with a little 410 shotgun, and um, I don't know yet what it was, but I saw it out of the corner of my eye as it started to climb into the boat, and I shot it, but I missed, and I shot a hole in the boat. And <laughs> so that was that job. Um, I sold life insurance on a debit route. That's a whole different story. I'll tell you about that. I sold cancer insurance. I, I was cancer insurance salesman of the year. Um, that, that, that's not really something to brag about. Um, I worked security for rich foods, uh, not like mall cop. I, it was more like make sure the freezers didn't shut off. Uh, I worked for a construction group in insurance rehab. Uh, you've heard of Burger King? I worked for Burger Queen. Um, they didn't make it. Um, I was a youth pastor. I was a property and casualty insurance salesman, and today I'm a business owner. Um, oh, and I painted houses. That's 19 jobs right there. Um, I did some other things, too, that we won't talk about today. But um, I worked from the time I was really young. My dad 
just told me that I was going to work. In fact, half of these jobs he arranged for me, and I had no say. He just told me to, you know, what to wear and what time to get up, and he would take me to work, and it was just how we lived. And, and so I didn't really have much of an opportunity to think through a biblical perspective of work. I just was told what I was going to do, and it was work. Most of the jobs that I had uh, were tedious. They were boring. I hated them. Some of them paid very well. Some of them paid terribly. I had the, the, the Grand Union job that I had. Check this out. I was in high school. It was 1969, I think, is when I started. I was getting $10 an hour. It was union wages. In, in 1969, I was like the, the richest kid, in, and then they went bankrupt. I don't get it. Um, but all these jobs, they, I, it was just work. I never thought much about it. And, but it did teach me something. And by the way, this is a diagram that you'll remember. I used this in BitCon when I was talking about money. But the same principles apply. And so I'm going to, I want to use it uh, today in talking about this. I thought that... Ah, I thought that work was mine. It was mine to own. It was mine to get a job. It was mine to, to, to think through. It was my responsibility. It was all about me and, and what I was supposed to be doing. It, it was, and, and it really wasn't that much fun. It wasn't that fulfilling to me. Um, this is interesting. In almost all other religions, work is considered an evil. You can go all the way back to Greek mythology and Pandora's box. One of the things that came out of the box was labor. It was work. And so work was thought to be evil or bad or something you had to do. And I've had a lot of jobs that made me feel that way. Marduk, the uh, Babylonian god, uh, considered work to be demeaning. It was worthless. And if you had to work, it was because you weren't smart enough or good enough. And so I kind of felt like that. In fact, I, if I'd have known these things, I might have changed religions because I agreed with what they were saying. But now that I've had a chance to think through this and, and thought back about it, I, I wish I'd known this much earlier because I think it would have helped me a lot understanding why I was working, what I was doing, why we would even do this. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says... So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. God had been creating. You read all about it in Genesis chapter 1. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all his work of creation. I want you to understand this because this is the base of everything that we're going to be talking about for several weeks here. The God of the Bible is a laborer. He works. He does work. He created everything. Work was part of His personality. When Jesus came to earth, He was a carpenter. He worked. He worked alongside His Father. So, 
Work here is not something evil. It is not something that's just an evil necessity. It's not something we just have to do. And one day, we'll be rid of this earth. We'll go to heaven, hopefully, and we won't have to work again. And I've got some bad news for you relating to that, but we'll get to that later. Um, but that's how we feel. You know, we, I, I talk about this often. I, I don't ever plan to retire. Uh, I encourage you not to. I don't mean don't take a pension. That just gives you more money to go work some more. I think that, that we are created to work. You quit working and you start living a life of leisure, you die. Seriously. I'm not joking. It, it happens. And, and so we, we've been created to work. So I want to talk about this in terms of um, just the biblical picture uh, of life itself and bring work into it. I'm also going to talk a lot about our, uh, our church mission today. You know, we, we've got three components of, of creation. There is creation that Jesus created in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Then there's the fall when mankind sinned and, and we no longer could live in the Garden of Eden. And then there is this period of restoration. We're in that process now. We will be fully redeemed and restored when we go to heaven. So, so there is this creation and fall and restoration or redemption. Three different events, three components. And I want to show those three components in the field of work. So if you have your notes, I want you to get your notes out, get your pen. I want you to write this down. Here's the first component. It's creation. And it's, it includes, or it, it, the first component is this, it's the dignity of work. I want to talk to you about the dignity of work. And in this is the first part of our church mission. We want you to know God. Not know just about Him, but we want you to know Him. We want you to experience Him. We want you to understand who He is, and then you can follow His role, His model in life. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, this is after God has rested. It says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, and listen to what it says, to work it and take care of it. Another version says to cultivate the garden. We were put on earth, one of the reasons we were put here is to work and to take care of what God created. It's like a spin-off. And so you have Adam and Eve, and then you have their sons Cain and Abel, and then it just keeps on going down the line. And everybody has a job to do. Everybody has a work to do. Everybody has responsibility that has been given to them by God. Write this in your notes. Work is a calling. Work is a calling. It has great dignity. Now, I'm a, for those of you who don't know this, I'm a businessman. I, I do not get paid from the church. I, I never have. I'm, I'm the lead pastor here, but I haven't ever received a paycheck because God has given me a business and a job to do, and I, I take care of that, and I serve here because I love this and want to, and God has called me. But I don't feel any greater calling to ministry than I do to business, the business that I'm in. I feel like God has put that call in my life, and I, I, I want you to sense that because we've been taught something different. We've been taught that, whoa, somebody who goes into the ministry, 
That's a special higher calling. That's, that's different. And, 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 and man, if I could just get to that, I would really be serving God. There is nothing in all of Scripture that teaches that. If you understand the New Testament, you understand the church, you understand what God put together, there is nothing that teaches that theory, that idea. You are as called to work as I am. And that calling that God has given you to do, to carry out in your life, is essential to life working. It's essential. It's, the, that, it's that create the thing that God created. It's dignity. It's, it's part of why you're here. It's your calling. Martin Luther said this, how does God feed us? And he goes on. He goes, with farmers and drivers and sellers. He's, he's referring here to a passage of Scripture in Psalms that says that God cares for us. He takes care of us. He provides for us. He says, well, how does He do that? How does God feed us? With farmers, drivers, and sellers. He says of the maid who is milking cows, these are the fingers of God. See, work is a deeply Christian principle. Deeply Christian principle. God cares for His creation. And and this is just the base. This is just a setup, folks. He cares for His creation through ordinary work. Everyone who is doing work well is pleasing God. And what I want you to think about is your job right now. I want you to think about what God, where God has put you. And by the way, you'll see on, the, uh, on your notes, on the back of this, I've put in here, there are many kinds of work. Job is just one of the kinds of work that exist. So when we talk about these things, I want you to think about Work. God cares for His creation through work. Cleaning the house. If that's what you do, if you clean houses or your own house, that is godly work. It's God's will. You're keeping people from dying of disease. You know who the most Christ-honoring pilots are? The ones who land the plane. Seriously. You save lives. And then hopefully the plane can be used again. Blue-collar, white-collar, secular, religious. When we're doing work well, God is pleased. We were created for work. We were created to do work. All work that is legal has great dignity to it. But then there's the brokenness of work. Number two. This is the fall. And it's here that I think we need to find... Freedom. So knowing God is knowing that He has created us and He has created us to work. Finding freedom, the freedom that we have to find, comes from the brokenness of work. And we can really get a good picture of this in Genesis chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. And this is where it starts to get personal. As the population grew and spread eastward, this was years after creation, A plain was discovered in the land of Babylon and was soon thickly populated. The people who lived there began to talk about building a great city, which that wouldn't have been a bad idea, with a temple tower reaching to the skies. And then it says, a proud, eternal monument to themselves. 
So now work shifts. It changes. It is no longer about serving. It's no longer about helping mankind. It's no longer about saving lives and and, and feeding people and making the bars of the gates strong in the land. It's not about that now. It's all about a proud eternal monument to themselves. Now, here's how this shows up in our lives. First of all, when, when it's about us, we've, we've had this conversation before, work is ours, right? We own it. We take responsibility. We, sometimes we do it well, sometimes we don't. But it's, it's ours. Second, work is for me. It's about me. It's about me building something for me. It's about me getting ahead, about me making an advance. It's about me doing better than other people. And then finally, the real perversion, we'll talk about this, work makes me happy. Brody already talked about happiness today. It's, it's, a, it's a whole different concept than something we ought to be desiring in our lives and our, it shouldn't be our goal. Put this in your notes. When I work to make a name for myself, that's called fragmentation. It's a break from culture that God has created. It, it takes something that was created for others and we make it for ourselves. If the ultimate reason you are working is for your own advancement, then you do it at the expense of others. And culture fragments. Now this is an anti-Western thought. We are taught to be the best, to make the most, to rise as high as we can, to do the great stuff because it will make us happy. It's our opportunity. And we miss the reason that God created work in the first place, and that was to help others. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. We begin to think it's about status, it's about power, and it's about money. All of those things are for us. This is what we're taught. This is what our culture teaches us. We hear people say all the time, I decided to leave the corporate world and work for myself. That's interesting. And if we do what we say we're going to do, that kind of work can easily enslave us. I wrote this down. Many people have been pushed into a job that they don't like or they're not good at. Why? Because they don't see the dignity because they took the job for status, money, or other self-centered reasons. My guess is there are people in the room who have jobs that you really don't like. You maybe weren't created for it. I'm not talking about laziness, not here at all. I'm talking about decisions that we've made about work because we had a self-centeredness about getting a job or doing something and we missed the purpose. we're, We're operating under this Western, fallen state that it's about money status power you know all the things that come with work now there's not anything wrong with making money 
There's not anything wrong with having status. You can't lead something without authority and power. But if that's your goal, you're operating from a principle that is not godly. So, what is the ultimate reason for our work? Number three, we'll call this the healing of work. It's the restoration stage. We've had the creation stage, the fallen stage, now we're having the restoration stage. It's where we discover our purpose. It's where we make a difference. Knowing God about creation, we, we need to, to be free. We need to find freedom because we've given into a fallen thought process and now we get to discover our purpose and make a difference through the healing of work. So I want to give you a couple of things here. First of all, work is the intentional use of my gifts and abilities. Number one, to provide for my needs and the needs of those God has entrusted to me. So, what that means is that work is God's. Now notice, this is a me-centered life. This is a Christ-centered life. It's this transition we all have to go through. It's, a, it's, it's this discipleship process where we no longer live for us, we live for Christ. And, and we don't learn these things automatically. They don't just come on us automatically. These are things that we have to really put before Christ and say, okay, how am I looking at this? What do I need to change? What patterns, what thoughts, what, what motivations need to submit themselves to the work of Christ? And the first thing that we see here is that, that God has given us work to provide for our own needs, but to also provide for the needs of those whom God has entrusted to us. Now that could be your family. If you're a manager or an employer, it could be your employees, the people who serve under you. Your job is to care for them with the work that belongs to God. So work, I can't just go out and say, hey, I'm going to work for myself and live that way. You can't do that and then fulfill what Christ wants us to do with our lives. Number two, the second reason that we do, that we do this the intention, is the intentional use of my gifts and abilities, number two, to promote the peace and prosperity of our community. To promote the peace and prosperity of our community. So, work, same as money, is for God's kingdom. It's for His kingdom. I th in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about this uh, in a way that I hope it just shakes you up. Because I think we miss a huge opportunity to bring change to people's lives because we don't understand this one principle right here. That God gives us work to provide for the lives of many. It's a kingdom thing. And it's not just, you know, not just working and making a paycheck and make sure everybody else gets paid. There is a huge principle here that is just 
change, I mean, it changes everything. And I, I was going to try to figure out how to explain this to you. And I decided instead that I would go to a resource that all of us have here. It's called Right Now Media. We, we pay a subscription to Right Now Media, so you guys can get on there for free and, and do whatever you want to. It's, got, it's probably the best Christian resource center in, in America, and it's free to you. And so I got on there this past week, and I just typed the word work, and all of these resources and, and teaching things came up. But there was a story that I found and I, I thought, this is the best way I can explain to you what it means when I say work is for God's kingdom. So let's take a look at this. When I came to Christ, uh, I still had the joy of business, but the world around me, I think, began to tell me that business was something less, and that if you were really serious uh, about your faith, then you would get involved in the church, and then you would get involved in ministry. We were really telling business guys, take the gospel to work with you, share the gospel with people, but still how you did what you did, uh, it was... Um, it was a complete realm that was untouched by truth. My family's been developing property in Arizona since 1952, and so I've watched cycle after cycle after cycle. Uh, this last cycle was unlike anything we've ever seen in Arizona. It was moving so fast that people were moving farther and farther and farther outside to where development uh, projects were happening 60 miles from the center of Phoenix. And then you felt as if you didn't move quickly, you were going to get left out, and then everybody felt that way, and it got moving faster and faster and faster until you had a process where people were being granted mortgages that had no ability to service those mortgages. In hindsight, look, you know, looking back, there's so many places where you, you, you can look now and go, what were we thinking? Why did we do that? Why did we assume that that market event would continue forever unabated. For me, the, the real estate crash brought me to a place of stepping back and evaluating. I could see where I lost sight of individual intrinsic value of work, of individuals, of community that we were trying to serve as demand rather than asking is the demand uh, reasonable. We just serviced it. And now we had a chance to think about what we had done. I think now we look at our markets and say, where can we create real value in places that need value? Something that hasn't built the community and now it contributes to community. 
community, something that uh, was employing no one, where now there are jobs. So we've focused on urban infill properties where there's difficulty involved. We took a corner at 7th and McDowell that was uh, a number of buildings that were really decrepit. We preserved what was historic and, and really got to what was beautiful in those buildings, but brought in new purpose. Retail users were able to come and service an area that was way underserviced. But to do it in a way that when people arrive, uh, they're struck by the fact that, they're, that this is a beautiful courtyard. The value that I think we've built, not only for our retailers and not only for our business, there's a value to the city. And all of that done at a profit to our company, which allows us to then go look to other properties and do the same things. I would say I worked many, many years in the marketplace without being free. And it would be my view that massive amount of Christians that are in the marketplace find themselves in this place of hating and waiting. Not necessarily loving what they do, but hoping for a better outcome. The Bible says the very act of work, this process, is an honorable thing and it pleases God. Work declares the glory of God just because it is. That's the challenge for the Christian in the marketplace. I guess it's over. I apologize for the shakiness of that. We, we actually called right now me to see if we could uh, rip this and show it to you. And uh, they, they were happy to let us do it, except it's so encrypted they couldn't do it. So we said, we'll just show it right off the website. And it, it was a little shaky. And we didn't quite finish the story there, but it's, um, it's an amazing story of how a whole area of Phoenix has just been turned around and revolutionized because somebody got this figured out. They got it figured out that we're to promote the peace and prosperity of a community with work. And, and so there's a lot of value in that. Finally, the third thing is this. Um, work is the intentional use of my gifts and abilities to make this world better in anticipation of the future. So just like money, work makes me eternally wealthy. There's an eternal concept here. There's something that God wants us to do. I'm going to read more about this in the book of Isaiah in just a moment. There's something that God wants us to do in light of eternity, not in light of just what we get today. And work can provide a lot of eternal wealth for you. I want to take, take time now just to give you, and this is unrelated to anything else I've said, and, and you have these notes uh, in front of you. I want to talk about how faith interacts with our work. We talk about being a Christian and working and, you know, how we should do well and, and, and you know, work a hard 40 hours or whatever it is and witness when we can. But faith and work collide in such a way that it can get, bring a lot of protection to you and, and also uh, bring a lot of fruit in your life. So I just want to go through these one at a time. Number one, faith 
gives you an inner ballast without which work could destroy you. In other words, our work and our success at work could make us think that we are something that we are really not. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a pastor. He was um, uh, actually pastored for about 70 years. He was an amazing guy, but he was also a medical doctor. He was out of England and out of the, uh, uh, the Protestant uh, evangelical movement in England in the end of the 20th century, and, uh, or through the end of the 20th century. He um, ministered a lot to doctors because that's who he spent his time with. And he had this saying, and it, it went like this, he said, if I were to put a, a, a tombstone at all of these doctors' burial places, it would say, born a man, died a doctor. In other words, they had things out of order in their lives. He said, because you're good at one thing, culture thinks that you're smart at everything. And he said, it's simply not true. When you bring faith into your work, you understand that you are not the gift to all the world, but that God works through you. And we see this all, you know, so often today. You know, when there's a political thing going on or a campaign, people turn to actors as if they know about government. And you get some actor or somebody who's famous in Hollywood to, to promote this politician. What are we thinking? What do they know about that? You know, that's my thought. Um, it's like doctors many times have terrible marriages. Just because they're a doctor, they don't know everything. They, they, you know, we're, we find out that they're just as stupid as everyone else in some things. Business people, you know, they, they think, well, I did really good at this business deal, then I can do this business deal, and it'll be great too. And it's not, and it falls apart. See, we start thinking that we're something that we're not because we've built something here that worked, and God blessed us here. And so we start getting a little casual about how we work. Faith gives you an inner ballast. It gives you balance, really, without which work could destroy you. Number two, faith gives you a concept of the dignity and worth of all work, even simple work, without which work could actually bore you. Psalm 147.13 says, For He has strengthened the bars of your gates and blessed your children within your walls. Martin Luther said, How did that happen? God feeds every living thing. He keeps the bars and strong secure. How does He do that? Through the simplest of things. He says, We are not allowed to sneer at simple work. It's God's ways of securing your gates. The way to do work as a Christian is to do it well. Number three, faith gives you a moral compass without which work could corrupt you. You know, there's so much pressure today to cut corners and do whatever it takes to make a profit. It's part of our, it's part of our Western culture. And, you know, you're, you're taught that in college that morality is relative. And then you go to work and you live that way. Faith brings a moral compass to work. Number four, faith gives you a world and life view that shapes the character of your work without which work could master and use you. Some examples. If you're a school teacher, you need to have a godly worldview because it will help you in what you teach. 
If you're a playwright, you need to have a godly worldview because it'll help in what you write, the plays that you write. If you're a business owner, you need to have a healthy, godly worldview because it will change how you think about employees and how you think about work and how you think about benefits and, and all of the things that, how, how you think about clients. They're no longer a target. They're, they're people that you are to value and you're to have huge effect in their, in your, their lives. I want to go back to this little chart in your notes again. And uh, again, this is, these are disjointed pieces today. They'll come together over the next couple of weeks. But there are many kinds of work. There, your job is work. Marriage is work. Parenting is work. Relationships are work. Serving. We, we want people to serve here. That's work. Leading is work. Spiritual growth is work. It just doesn't happen. Disciple-making, that is work. And I will tell you, as you look at all of these, you start looking at seasons of life. You know, there's sometimes when you can cheat some things and, and give more attention to other things. But all of it is work. And how we do this is, is important. So there are times, I, I know we, you know, when, when we were parents of young children, well, that takes a lot of work. And there were some things that we couldn't do. You know, one of, the, one of the reasons people have always asked me, why don't you guys have a midweek service? I got to choose between that and being a dad. That's why we don't have it. And, and because, you know, I had a job, we had the church, and, and I grew up in, in a church where we went to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, and then they had revivals, had to go to those things, and, and it was like that was all we did. But we had children, and we wanted to be good parents, and we wanted them to play ball and have friends, and we wanted to do other things, and so we cheated a little bit on some other things. It's okay. As long as you do, you you follow Christ in what you're doing, He will show you how to manage those things, and sometimes you'll, it's, it's a season of life thing, and God will show you as you put Him first what He wants you to do. I want to, there's plenty more stuff on your notes there that you can take that some of it I've covered, some of it I hadn't, haven't today. But I want, to, I want to close this today with this thought here. This is out of Isaiah chapter 60. And if you read this whole chapter, it's really an amazing book of the Bible, amazing chapter. It's, um, it's all about the restoration of Israel. They had, you know, the, God had created this nation and then there was the fall, they got, went into exile, and then eventually they got out of exile, and they're coming back to Jerusalem, and much of what's in this chapter talks about them coming back from exile, but it hasn't happened yet. It's still in the formation process, but I want to read this to you. It says in verse 18, violence will disappear from your land. Think about the things that we want. Think about what we want in life. Violence will disappear from your land, the desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls, and praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. All your people will be righteous, they will possess the land forever, for I will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring myself glory. The smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. 
at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. When you make the move from life being about you to life being about Jesus, and you start to implement these teachings, these things that he tries to teach us out of his word, Isaiah 60 starts to become reality in your life. Now the Bible also teaches that there are going to be thorns that grow up as we try to follow after Christ. There are going to be things that don't go our way, things that go south and mess things up. And the thing that we need to remember, actually two things. One is, those thorns, Christ has actually borne them Himself. He's taken those thorns, they were created into a, a crown and jammed into a skull. And He knows how painful they are. He knows how disruptive they are to our lives. And He says, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to make it. And there's a future. And there's a hope. And one day all violence will be gone. All sickness will be gone. All heartache will be gone. In the meantime, we're to honor Him with how we live and how we work. How we handle money. All the things that that we've been teaching We need to continue to know God, to find the freedom in our lives, to continue this discipleship walk in our lives, to understand who we are and how we've been made so that we can make a difference. And one day, we're going to experience Isaiah 60 for ourselves. But until then, I want you to learn these principles. I want you to understand them. I want you to know who you are, why God has created you, what you're supposed to be thinking about in terms of work, the dignity of your work, the the incredible power that you possess simply by going to work because you are directly in the will of God, no matter what your job. And then I want you to think about what God might do to change the culture around you Because you simply understand what He's called you to. Father, I thank You for giving us work. For creating us in Your likeness. That we could follow after You and find purpose and direction and guidance in work. Lord, I know that there are people here today who have jobs that they absolutely hate. Father, I ask that you do something in their heart and give them guidance and direction so that they know how to follow you in this part of our lives that takes up so much time. I pray, first of all, that they would understand who they are and what you want to do and the dignity that work involves. And Lord, if you want to change their job, if they're in a position or they've jumped into something because of what was centered around themselves and should be centered around you, I pray that you would lead them to wherever you want them to be. But I pray we would understand the principles and guidance that you give us in your word and that we would understand that work is yours. Work is for your kingdom. 
as we follow your precepts that work will make us eternally wealthy Father for the person who may be here today and their life is centered around themselves their money is centered around themselves their work is centered around themselves their family is all about them their marriage is all about them I pray that they would make this huge transition to put you in the center of their life that everything would be about you O Lord that money and work and marriage and family and it, it would all be yours and it would be about your kingdom that you would build something that only you can build in our lives and that's eternity 